everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Oot Boot. That's right, we've got our own time slot. This week's Oot Boot was actually sent in by a fan of the podcast, Travis Reichstein, and it takes us to the south of France to the scene of a controversy and what the mayor of a small town is calling a catastrophe. So in the town of Elm, near the border of Spain, there's this small art museum, and it's recently been rocked by this huge controversy um, by discovering that it's over or about 60% of the paintings in their museum are actually forgeries or fakes. So the museum is called Musée Terrace, and it is a collection of 140 paintings and drawings attributed to local celebrity um, Etienne Terrace. So for those who don't know, Etienne Terrace was born in 1857, and he passed away in 1922. And he was a forerunner of the art movement, which is known as Fauvism, so not Fauvism, um, there's a good pun in there somewhere, I'm sure. There's an Uncle Dad joke going on. You guys are just giving me these horrible looks. <laughs> my, my dad energy's been sapped. I don't think I can, uh, it's not coming just to me. Just terrible, just dead in the water. Oh, God. But um, So for those who aren't familiar, Fauvism is the art movement that artists like Matisse and Duran were involved in. So Etienne Terrace wasn't a huge deal, but he was a part of this very important part of art history. Um, the museum opened in 1994, and recently it had major re- renovations, and they actually invited an art historian in to come and accredit them, to as almost like a celebration. Um, and unfortunately for them, um, the art historian, who is named Eric Forcada, noticed that most of the paintings actually had crude handiwork, and they also had anachronisms in them. So buildings that weren't actually supposed to be there at the time. How did no one notice this earlier? Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> well, terrible. Well, and it's obviously very embarrassing for the small town. A lot of the times with fakes and forgeries, it's because conservation and museums maybe isn't being funded well enough. So something will come in. And it's dirty and it looks like it's from the right time period. And then when you start putting money into conservation, you'll clean something and realize, oh, actually, like this was a practice piece or actually this is from somewhere else. Oh, this says staples on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So after this evaluation, um, it was determined that 82 of the 140 are determined to be fakes. So this doesn't necessarily mean that there's some sort of like evil art forger out there. It just means that they've been incorrectly attributed. So um, I mentioned art conservation before, but some of it is, well, it could very well just be poor research. You know, you look at something, you're like, it looks about right. And then toss it up on the wall. Especially if it's in a small town, uh, their resources, I'm sure, are limited. Mm -hmm. And so to try to have a museum is, you know, a really noble goal, but it's, I'm sure, very difficult to try to have all the resources that you would need in order to make sure that you have the pieces that you think you're getting. Um, and I mean, it just we live in a day and age where it's so easy to masquerade things around and pass things off as being real when they aren't. It makes sense how this could have happened. It must be heartbreaking for the museum. Mm-hmm. I, I know this did cut their collection in half, but they still have 50-something. Doing the math? I can't do the math. They still have a sizable collection of real, genuine pieces of art that, for a small museum, that could still work to make exhibits, like, have functions. You don't want the whole story to be about, oh, it just has a bunch of fakes, Mm, right? Right. Yeah, hopefully they're still able to rally from this. And, you know, I, I would still go see the ones that are real. And I would actually probably be really interested in an exhibit mm. that would have the forgeries so that you can kind of do a compare and contrast and see 
would I have been able to figure that out? Probably not. And they can even have a whole exhibit around like forgeries and why it's so difficult and how it's so easy to get them through the system. And that would be a really interesting way of dealing with this. Mm -hmm. But like, this isn't just a small town museum issue, if you will. It's actually been estimated that about 20% of at least in the UK, in major art museums, 20% of the holdings are at least inaccurately attributed to people or they're forgeries or fakes. So it's not necessarily a small town problem, but I think especially when you come from a small town and the municipality has put so much money into acquiring them, um, it makes it extra difficult. So in light of this, um, my questions to you guys this week are, how do you feel about fakes in museums? Does it change the experience for you? Do you think if you were going into a gallery or museum thinking some of these are probably not real? Well, I mean, what's real, right? Mm. <laughs> Let's get real existential on us. Yeah. Um, but, Thanks, but Sartre. It's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, there's still skill and craft involved, right? There's, mm-hmm. um, there's a number of forgery documentaries that have been made, but there's one that's called Art and Craft, and it follows Mark Landis and all of the forgeries that he's created and sold, and he posed as uh, being a curator, and that was how he got these into museums and to different buyers. But uh, he has is a master at painting, and he's been able to master so many different styles. Like There's quite a skill even to that in itself that I think maybe we shouldn't be giving them praise for when they do something illegal and they try to pass off work that's as being someone else's when it's their own. I think that there are problems certainly with that, but I think it would be really interesting to do exhibits on the whole idea of forgeries and also to look at how people are able to create such similar masterpieces and how they're able to make them look aged. And there's just a lot there that I find fascinating. Mm -hmm. I I think too, though, the uh, concept and the idea of the authentic really adds an intangible element to someone's work, though. Like seeing a Picasso that you know is a Picasso versus, oh, someone copied Picasso. That's, that is very different. Mm, when it comes true. down to, uh, I, I don't want to sound so metaphysical or anything, but like it really is a different feeling. You know, you're, you know what you're seeing, right? Well, no, because it makes sense because it's like that intangible quality that you're part of the story and it's the idea of the artist as a genius, which I mean, that's problematic, but it's inherently human to do that. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's the real thing that they were using, that they touched and it represents all these historical things at the same point, if you're going into it to experience artwork and you can't tell the difference, does it matter? I would say at the same time. So I went to Florence, Italy a few years back and All throughout Florence, there are statues of David, and there is only one true statue of David, and it's, you know, no one is passing all the other statues off as being authentic. They're all known copies. So the statues of David are still a fascinating thing to behold and to see and to see how they are replicas and how well they've been replicated. Um, And I, I did not get a chance to see the actual statue of David because the lines are just too long and I didn't have enough time in the city. But seeing all the other ones around town was still a very authentic experience. They're still old. Um, They still have a lot of nostalgia attached to them. And so it was really interesting to see a city that kind of has an understanding that they have a bunch of works of art that are all the same work of art and they're all in different places and um, and they're okay with it. And I enjoyed being able to see them and that I was able to actually get up close and personal to a bunch of them, whereas it would have been a lot more difficult and expensive for me to see the original. Do you, do you think that's part of that is that um, those pieces of artwork are still tied to the place and the city itself? Because 
recently going to Las Vegas, the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas is an Eiffel Tower of sorts, but it's not the Eiffel Tower. That's There's true. that that attachment, I think, and that attachment to land and place might play a part in it too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there are still people who I know would love and probably prefer to see the Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas for all of the things that it stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's a very well-known piece of architecture in that city. Uh, there are a lot of people who really appreciate that and still have those same feelings to that one, even though it is a forgery of sorts. Mm. It's, it's different experiences. You can have a forged forgery experience, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, and it's the idea too of, I guess, a, a good way to say it would be with each retelling, a story becomes stronger because then those new versions or those new things that maybe are replicating it become attached to the main idea. So it's an interesting concept. So how about you listeners? Can you think of anything, an artwork or a museum object that would really disappoint you if it turned out to be a fake? Let us know. Drop us a line. (laughs) So thank you, Travis, for sending in this week's Utnaboot topic. If you have noticed something interesting, Utnaboot, that you would like us to share, you can email us at podcast at nohistory.ca or reach out on social media at Notice History and your topic could be featured on our next episode. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on a brand spanking new episode of Notice History, as always, on Tuesday.